Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hour number two, Danny and Dusty. Danny's still out uh, with the COVID. Doing well, doing better. Text with him today. His picks are in. We'll get to our picks in. Uh, next hour coming up at 1.30. This hour we'll have Ryan Horvat on our bet QL Network Insider, the host of BetMGM tonight. But where we start hour number two is uh, diving into Ducks and Beeves a little bit more. Uh, we bring on now from Duck Territory, Eric Scopel, kind enough to join us. Thanks for taking a few minutes, man. How you doing? Not too bad, man. I, uh, there's a bug going around. I don't have it, but uh, I'm hoping to avoid it because I want to be able to cover this football game this weekend. <sighs> Boy, everybody's getting sick. Like everybody, all around. Cold, flu, COVID. Everybody's uh, got the bug bitten uh, lately. But uh, ducks and beeves. This is a big one. I saw uh, Bill Orem of the Oregonian, uh, the sports columnist of note. Now he is trying to look for a new name for the game. We talked with Angie Machado yesterday from Beaver Blitz, and she said she just still calls it the Civil War out of habit. Uh, are you? Is there a name for this rivalry that you go with? Oh man, I, I I wish my brain was more creative. <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm not. I'm I'm good at like nicknames with friends, but I'm not good at <laughs> things people would want to take seriously. So I don't think I've got the brain to do this type of thing. I, there's got to be. There's enough ingenuity in this state, though, for somebody to figure it out. Um, maybe it'll be Bill. Uh, <laughs> you know, I no, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, and I've just honestly been calling it the rivalry, formerly known as the Civil War, or just the rivalry between the Ducks and the Beavers. There's not. There's not really anything I've seen that I, I I like too much, which is I don't know a little disappointing, but uh, I don't know I'm 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 willing to be creative if someone is creative for me. I yeah. guess where I'm at, <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know if I've got the, the juice is flowing yet. And we need something to get a little bad blood, and maybe uh, this rivalry tightening up a little bit. We'll, we'll get that for us. Um, uh, let's talk about this Ducks team, though. I I think with Dan Lanning and this staff, and you know even you know Bo Nix and his rise that we've seen, we'll we'll talk about him a little bit as this goes on, but. I think one of the most impressive things that I see from from this team is how they can get back up off the mat. What how they got back off the mat after the Georgia loss early in the year, and they just went to work after that and, and rattled off eight in a row. Um, but getting up off the mat after that loss to Washington was something different because they had a very good opponent in Utah. Uh, coming in right after that, what stuck out stuck out to you about the way the Ducks were able to play that Utah team that has been so physical and a thorn in their side for so many years? I think what impressed me most is probably just the way that 
a, a lot of the things that have made this Oregon team so good this year weren't really on the table going into it, as we've established, one of the big games of the year against Utah. I mean, we didn't know Bo Nix was unclear if he was going to be able to play. And I think anybody who understands injuries understood if he was able to play, he wouldn't be at 100%. And in doing so, it would remove a huge element of the Oregon offense, which has been design quarterback runs, RPOs. I mean, they, they Utah at a certain point just recognized, as I think most people did, is that if Nix isn't going to run, you just load up on the running backs, and, and they, they took that away. And, and another component of the lack of a run game and some of the offensive issues were, were you know, Alex Forsythe, probably one of the better centers in the country, wasn't available for the game at all, and he didn't end up playing. So there were some things that were removed there, and for the offense to have, I know it's not huge success, but enough success early to build the lead, I thought that was crucial um, to get out to 17-3. And then I think the other part was, you know, everybody had been so critical of that, that defense, that secondary in particular, and some individuals, and they played their best game of the year. And I know it's a much better matchup. I think if you, you – know, I know going into it, I thought, man, if there's a there's a weak Oregon defense can maybe play a little better, it would be a matchup like this just because Utah and Washington are so different. And Washington really plays some of Oregon's weaknesses, which is, the lack of, I think, speed at safety and some of the coverage issues you have at corner and other parts of the field. But um, I was just really impressed with the ability to step up and, and the defense to make plays because everybody had really kind of written off that side of the football and just said, you're going to have to win shootouts. And in a game where, as I said earlier, some of the, your best elements offensively were removed, you weren't going to be able to win in a shootout probably to, to be able to make a kind of an ugly low-scoring game and win that way. I think it was really impressive, um, especially because, as I said, this is a, a team that has really only won one way all season. Um, you know, they, they, they had to come back against Washington State, but that was a game where they scored a lot of points because the defense couldn't get stops. And after that, it was basically the offense is going to do its part and, and get into the 40s, and you just hope the defense is able to do enough to, to keep it less than that. So um, I, I just think the, the variety of ways that they succeeded that kind of go against the grain of what we'd seen, I guess, in the previous uh, eight wins was what really I think kind of stood out to me in that one. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that this defense had it in them. I, I mean, I truly didn't, especially against the Utah team that is very, as well coached as they are, and they got their injuries of their own. But I look back to you know this the fourteen point third quarter where I mean this team gave up seventeen points, and one of them was their offense's fault on that fumble return. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the biggest sign of growth that I've seen from this defense and in that game, I was like, they're not losing this one is after that fumble, then the offense gets back on the field and goes three and out immediately. And they were back on – their defense was back on the field, and they responded with an interception. And, and that is something that, you know, that could have been the snowball where you get that fumble, return for a touchdown, the offense goes three and out, and then how many times have we seen a Utah team, you know, just grab the game by the horns and say, no, now we're going to go on a death march, you know, punch in another one, and it's game over. But – there's a there's a resiliency with this team, and I think that it it, it it obviously starts with Dan Lanning. This guy's special, man. As a as a leader of men, and you talk to the players, and you get to see the interactions uh, more on a day to day basis than than we do. What is it that kind of sticks out most to to the people that are around Dan Lanning the most that he can get people pulling in that same direction because they needed every bit of that on Saturday. No, those are great points. Um... In, in terms of just the the top-down leadership that they have. And I think Dan strikes me as somebody, having kind of seen him 
you know, deal with players, deal with media, deal with other coaches that is first off, I think pretty immensely likable, which is, is, is valuable in every avenue professionally. Right. I mean, like mm-hmm. people that other people like typically, I think do better in most career paths. And certainly I think coaching, which is so relational, that's the case. I think he's got a very dry sense of humor. I think he plays along with his guys. I think he's obviously a younger head coach. And so there's a level of relatability probably there that, um, maybe isn't there with an older coaching staff. And, and that's across the board. I mean, Kenny Dillingham is uh, only like six years older than Cameron McCorm- Cam McCormick, the tight end. I mean, that's one of those things you think about. Like your offensive coordinator is 31. You've got a player who's in his mid-20s because of a bunch of injuries and stuff. But, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, there, there is a level of, I think, just, you know, people on the around the team, I, I just get a sense he's, there's not a lot of people who, who don't like him. And then – the other part is you can you can be really likable but not very capable, you know, and, and, and maybe lack a level of competency. I don't think there's any question Dan's really smart and, and, and has a really advanced understanding of how a lot of things work for someone his age. And, and that's the reason I think he was sort of sought out to fill this position was because of, of those characteristics and obviously the track record at Georgia. So um, I, I, I just get a sense being around the team that he, he's kind of won everybody over just on a personal level and then the, the but the but the cherry on top is that they also go he's 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 really smart and he knows what he's doing as a coach he, he understands the x's and o's he understands um from a leadership perspective of of when to be hands-on of when to be hands-off i think one of the things that sort of stood out to me about this is um maybe previous head coaches at oregon have been a little too involved in certain parts of the offensive or or, or defensive play calling kind of depending upon what their background is in and Dan is a defensive coach and has basically said, hey, the offense is Kenny Dillingham's baby and let Dillingham really kind of run with it and do a lot of innovative, creative things. Sometimes that a lot of times have worked last week. Sometimes they didn't work, but like just, the, you know, I guess confidence to, to, to kind of divvy up responsibilities that way. You know, uh, really stands out. You know, it does stand out. I mean, that, that does stand out. And I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, <laughs> and it, but didn't let you finish the thought. I thought you were done there. But, um, you know, you mentioned Dillingham. How, it is his baby. The offense is his, and it's his his own wrinkle. Uh, the smoke continues to come out, though, of Arizona State in that flirtation. How big of a deal do you think that is? I'll let you off the hook on cutting me off because I actually thought I was getting another phone call, and I couldn't tell if I'd gotten disconnected. So that's why <laughs> I had an awkward pause. It's okay. Uh, full disclosure. Uh, no, no, but with with Dillingham, I think that there's there's that's something certainly to watch. And you know, if, if you're unfamiliar with his his history and his background, he is from the state of Arizona. Went to school at Arizona State, so there are certainly um, some ties there to, to that you know we have to be aware of. And he's you know so that that kind of checks off a couple of just preliminary boxes of would Dillingham be interested in a job like that? But then there's the other part of hey you, you you can't offer a head coaching job at a school that doesn't have a, a head coaching vacancy and Oregon currently doesn't have one so uh, going to Arizona State is a step up in terms of um, you could probably argue or return home to family I, I believe his wife is also from that area and so um, that that kind of aligns and and then you'd also have the hey you can run this program and, and I've always thought Arizona State is a program that has a fair amount of upside in terms of location uh, from a recruiting perspective and um, the size of the city, you know, the, the surrounding kind of Phoenix area and all that. So um, it could be a good job. But I, I think the other part that you have to worry and kind of wonder about if you're 
you're dealing him and even Arizona State is just the youth part of it. Again, you got a guy who's in his early 30s. Um, has he has he shown enough that he's ready to run a program? I mean, a lot of people are really good coordinators or really good position coaches, but not meant to be great head coaches. And I'm not saying I know one way or the other, but there is a lack of you know experience from a what is he what is he as a head coach that maybe makes it a little bit worrisome for Arizona State if they're trying to make a hire here. Um, but I, there certainly seems to be some level of interest there. And, and if you're, I think, an, an Oregon fan, it would be kind of a bummer to, to, to see him take off so quickly because of what you've seen this year with this with this offense and uh, and just how dynamic it has been. This is, I think, undoubtedly the, the closest thing you've had in, in Eugene to, uh, you know, the Marcus Mariota 2014 offense. So it's been almost a decade since you've had an offense this this good and this consistently good. And, and to, to have the architect of that, only be in, in Eugene for a year or less than that would be, I think, kind of a, a disappointing outcome. Eric Scopel is our guest. DuckTerritory.com covers Oregon football and uh, women's basketball for the Ducks. Now, you know, as it pertains to Dillingham, if he comes back, do you think there's a shot that the Ducks could convince Bo Nix to return for a super senior year? I think that the ship is sort of sailed would be my 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 confidence level would be low that they could do so. Um, does it mean that there, that there isn't something in play I'm not aware of, but last I'd heard, I think he's, and, and we should note, he hasn't been asked straight up face to face at a media scrum uh, about what his plans are going forward. And maybe he'd give a surprising answer, but for everything I've heard, I, I think the odds of that are, are pretty slim. Yeah. Because I mean, like we all forget about that COVID freebie that <laughs> that everybody right. got from that 2020 year, where everybody's kind of getting that extra season. And um, you know, with the world of NIL, there's actually you could toss some money at the guy and, and see if he comes back. Uh, his health, though, um, I know he gave an update yesterday, and uh, we saw him play against Utah. Obviously, whatever, whatever shot they gave him in the second half or in the before the game, it was wearing off in the second half. Uh, how does how is he feeling heading into uh, th- this game against Oregon State? Yeah, there's no mystery about whether or not he plays. He's going to play. Um, the question is how, I guess, uh, how, how capable will he be this week? And he did say his ankle felt better. We spoke with him on Tuesday. He said it felt better this Tuesday than the previous Tuesday, and, and that's not surprising given how injuries work, but certainly you were encouraged to hear a, a positive update of some sort. Um, I think it remains to be seen what he can do and how much more he can do, especially as a runner. Um, you know, cause as I said earlier, I think what, what has made this offense so dynamic in part is that they can beat you in so many different ways. You can you have a quarterback who's a very capable runner. You have running backs who are really great in space and you have receivers and tight ends that are also certainly capable of winning one-on-one battles and, and, uh, and getting the ball up the field. And so when you remove the, the Knicks running aspect from the game plan last weekend, I think it was pretty clear how teams would mm-hmm. attack you. And so I, I don't know exactly what he'll be able to do this week, but I, I know he'll be available to play. And you hope he's healthy enough to maybe scramble and get out of the pocket a little bit more because that's been such an area of, of success. And he did that a little bit. Um, against Utah, I'm guessing you're going to see a continue. I, I would be surprised if we see a, a, just a, a total return to uh, the number of design runs and RPOs that were called in the past. I'm going to guess that if he does use his feet, it's going to be more from a, a improvisational perspective. 
Um, and but we'll see if he's even able to do that. I mean, I, I you know you just don't know with these ankle injuries, and it, he didn't look particularly mobile or capable uh, last game. And as we know, the, the one design run he did have was the final play basically of the game, and it wasn't exactly a super athletic play. He just kind of made a, a stop and dove forward for the first down. So I, I think that is the big question mark from an injury perspective. Uh, for Oregon going into this week is just how much can you get out of him. All right, uh, let, let's get it. The the prediction. Uh, Ducks, Beavs, it is going down 12.30 Saturday in Corvallis. How do you feel about this one? Oh, I haven't even got. I haven't even gotten to what, <laughs> what I think the score will be. Um, you put me on the spot. No, I, I, I think um, – I think for Oregon to win, it probably has to be kind of low scoring again, Um, which I think – I think the way Oregon State operates offensively is a lot closer to Utah than it is Washington. And certainly you look at the caliber of quarterback and um, just the style style of how Oregon State plays, um, like from a personnel perspective. So I I do think Oregon defensively can probably muddy it up enough – uh, and then you just hope the offense is capable. I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be really competitive. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say Oregon twenty-seven twenty-four. All right, like that Woo. it's going to be right down to the wire. I love it. I love it. Eric Scopel uh, from Duck Territory, twenty-four-seven uh, Sports site, and and also the Ots and Audibles podcast. Um, you have got. But Nick Reed told me he keeps up with his ducks through the Ots and Audibles podcast. So you know, a duck Hall of Famer, he keeps up. He keeps up with it with his with his ducks through you guys. So keep up the great work, man. Always appreciate your time. Oh, of course. I did. I, I didn't know that from Nick. That uh, that makes my day. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it it is. He said, you know, that's where that's where I get my news from. So um, <laughs> keep up the great work, man. Eric Eric Scopel, uh, uh, Duck Territory twenty four seven Sports. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.